Trump and Biden gaff all over each other as the polls tighten. Michelle Obama says the quiet part out loud. And we explore why some leftists are now claiming that two plus two equals five. Like, actually. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. Today's show is sponsored by ExpressVPN. Don't let others track what you do. Keep yourself safe at expressvpn.com slash Ben. Well, I will say that this campaign, it's beginning to tighten. The polls are showing that it's beginning to tighten just a little bit. There are several polls out in the last week that show that President Trump is within national striking distance of Joe Biden, which is good news because you would assume that Trump is probably going to lose the popular vote. He could lose the popular vote by up to four points and still win the election if the votes happen in the wrong places for Joe Biden, if they all happen in California or Massachusetts or New York or Washington, D.C., In the swing states, Joe Biden still has a pretty solid lead in a lot of these various states, but he is not very far above where Hillary Clinton was in many of these states. Florida, he's pretty well ahead of the pace set by Hillary Clinton, but he's well behind Hillary Clinton where she was in Pennsylvania. He's well behind where she was at this time in places like Michigan, which suggests that this election ain't quite over yet. Now, we are being deprived of the full glory and majesty of the clash of intellectual titans that is going on between President Trump and Joe Biden right now. And it is it would be astonishing to watch them both on the campaign trail. A man who probably cannot stay awake for more than about 37 minutes at a time versus a man who cannot stay focused for more than about 47 seconds at a time. And it is amusing to watch the two of them go at it. I'm, I'm looking forward to the debates. I've said before that the debates, I think, probably will happen. They won't happen with a crowd, which is a pity because that's President Trump's wheelhouse. When President Trump has a crowd, he plays to the crowd in ways that no one outside of the comic community would do. I saw a clip of Shane Gillis, the comedian, back from March, talking about debates with Trump. And he said Trump is basically a stand-up comedian. And he would just bury you on stage. Like all these comedians who go out there and they say things like, he's a bad orange man, he's so bad. Trump would bury them if he were next on stage because that really is his specialty, is being a jerk in public to people. So that would be a disadvantage for Joe Biden. But we still have the somewhat muted pleasure of watching these two candidates just gaff regularly. Now, the difference between how the media treat the gaffes That's what's truly astonishing. So Trump right now is making a lot of gaffes that don't go to substance. He's making a lot of gaffes that are kind of funny to to look at, but don't really mean anything in the long run. So you saw the other day, he said about Yosemite, like the national park, he called it Yosemite. And everybody went nuts because that's hilarious. I mean, it is. It's, it's, It's what I say to my fellow Jews right as we are arriving at shul. We're walking into, we're walking into synagogue. I'm like, Yosemite, like, yeah, what's up with you? But you know, is that like a, a gaffe with content? Usually what a gaffe is, it's a revealing moment where you know something more about the candidate than you otherwise would. A gaffe is something that is revealing. It's not just a malaprop. And right now, most of the gaffes that Trump is making are malaprops. Most of the gaffes that Joe Biden is making go to two things. One, the fact that he is increasingly senile. And two, the fact that he's kind of a little bit racist. Like he, he keeps making these weird gaffes with black Americans where he just says stuff that if a Republican said it, they'd be toast. They'd be trashed. You remember that just a few weeks back, he said to a black commentator, it was Charlemagne the God, he said, you ain't black if you don't vote for Joe Biden, which is patently crazy. Like Joe Biden being the adjudicator of blackness is pretty insane. That's a real white dude. That's a real white dude who used to hang out with segregationists and do legislation with them. So that's kind of strange. And the media just kind of, it was, it was a story for a moment and then it sort of got glossed over. Well, Joe Biden is making exactly those kind of gaffes pretty much every day. And the media are just glossing over them. The difference in media treatment truly is amazing. So let's begin with some of Trump's gaffes. These are the ones that are taking top headline. And they really are taking top headline in a pretty serious way. I I will say I'm kind of amazed by the coverage of the various gaffes over at at Matt Drudge's website. Um, Matt Drudge was one of the big cheerleaders for Trump. I mean, in 2016, there is no question that Drudge wanted Trump to win. He was spending enormous amounts of energy on his page, focusing in on Trump and how Trump was sucking up all the attention. Trump was a click machine for for Drudge. Now, Drudge really doesn't cover the gaffes that Biden does in a very significant way. But any gaffe that Trump commits, he's covering in a really, really significant way. I don't know what Trump did to him or whether Matt is just spending less time on the site. I I, I really don't know what's going on over at Drudge Report. But you can see that the coverage over at Drudge, honestly, it mirrors more the coverage at CNN than it does the coverage over at Fox News, which is kind of a shocker because Drudge used to be much more in sort of the Fox News column politically. In any case, Here's an example. So yesterday, President Trump was doing a speech and he was talking about Joe Biden and the fact that Joe Biden's agenda is anti-religious. Now, there's some truth to this. Okay, Joe Biden supports the so-called Equality Act. That is HR1. That is a bill that is pushed by Democrats that essentially says that religious institutions should be forced to violate their own religious precepts in order to maintain, quote unquote, equal treatment for LGBT people. So you have to have a priest who's transgender in your church 
It, it, the Equality Act basically says that if you're a religious business owner, you will now be mandated in, in any business that you are, including religious businesses, you will be mandated to abide by social leftist strictures. It goes even further than the recent Supreme Court case, which declared that in places of employment, the Civil Rights Act protects transgender people. It, it actually, because there's still ministerial exceptions and religious school exceptions, the Equality Act doesn't do any of that. Okay, so President Trump was going after Joe Biden and his anti-religious agenda. And while he was riffing, he said that, that Joe Biden was going to hurt God. And now that, that really is not a particularly revealing gaffe. Like, I, I don't think that Trump actually thinks that Joe Biden is going to start hurling spears at God or something, or that if he did, it would be particularly effective. It was just Trump riffing, because that's what Trump does. So here's Trump doing this yesterday. He got all sorts of attention. You will have a crash in the markets because he's going to double and triple your taxes. He's going to do things that nobody ever would ever think even possible because he's following the radical left agenda. Take away your guns. Destroy your Second Amendment. No religion, no anything. Hurt the Bible, hurt God. He's against God. He's against guns. He's against energy, our kind of energy. Okay, so obviously Trump is riffing there, and it's, it's a very crude way of saying that his agenda is anti-religious, which, again, is true. And Barack Obama's agenda was also anti-religious. Barack Obama was the man who campaigned in 2008 telling his donors in San Francisco that only bitter clingers clinging to God and guns and religion were the people who were standing between him and victory. So that, that is not, you know, uh, it's not a major gaffe, seriously. Like, I guess there's the implication that, that Trump, because he's not a particularly religious person, he's saying things that religious people would never say. Like, as a religious person, I would never say that someone is capable of hurting God. God ain't capable of being hurt. If you're a religious person, you're like, well, that's weird because God is the master of the universe and the creator of all things. So I'm pretty sure that Joe Biden can't hurt him. Still, is that like a major gaffe? No, it's kind of, it's mildly revealing of the fact that Trump doesn't know much about religion, which is true. And it's mildly revealing of the fact that Trump speaks in like very dumbed down terms, which of course is true. But is it a seriously revealing thing? Not really. Big banner headline over on Drudge. Trump claims God on his side. Okay, so honestly, that no, he claimed that that's actually not what he claimed. What he claimed is that Joe Biden opposes religious people, which is kind of true. Okay, like I, I think that's what he's saying. I don't think that Donald Trump is sitting there going, God loves me and God hates Joe Biden. I, I, I don't think that that is actually the case. And the media immediately swivel into, how dare Trump say this about a practicing Catholic? Never mind the fact that there are Catholic priests who will not give communion to Joe Biden because he is pro-abortion now. And Joe Biden has switched his positions on abortion several times, moving ever more in the pro-abortion direction. He's a practicing Catholic the way that Nancy Pelosi is a practicing Catholic, which is to say they violate religious scripture on a fairly regular basis. But the media's angle was, how dare Trump say something like it was a big revealing gaffe for Trump. In a second, we'll go through Trump's other gaffes, and then we'll get to Joe Biden's gaffes, which are being covered for full scale by the media. It's pretty insane. First, let's talk about the fact that right now, a lot of us need to do fitness from home. Right? A lot of gyms across the country are simply not open because the government thinks that these are vectors of transmission, whatever the evidence, that is simply the case. Well, the reality is you still need to work out at home, but you've been looking at some of these programs, like for example, Peloton, and you're like, that costs a damned fortune, and it does. I mean, Peloton is so expensive. I looked at it for my wife and for me. I was gonna be one of those husbands who got his wife a Peloton bike, and I looked at the price and I went, nope, that is way too expensive. Well, thankfully for me, there is something else out there. I'm talking about Echelon. Echelon has a huge lineup of connected fitness bikes, fitness mirrors, rowing machines that give you a fun, challenging workout for the comfort and safety of your home. I'm getting an Echelon bike. I could not be more pumped about this. It's connected into all of the classes the same way that other services are, except it's not going to cost you an arm and a leg. You don't actually have to sell a body part in order to make sure that you stay in shape. In as little as 20 minutes, you can get into the best shape of your life and be active with the entire family. The world-class instructors will motivate you with daily live and on-demand classes that are always available when you need them. And unlike their competitors, Echelon is affordable for everyone. Their EX1 connected fitness bike is less than half the price of a Peloton, which is pretty spectacular because all a Peloton is is just an exercise bike hooked up to a bunch of classes. Well, Echelon is cutting out the middleman and Echelon is ensuring that you're not going to have to pay a fortune for basically the same or better service. With Echelon financing, you can try them out risk-free for 30 days, zero down, as little as 46 bucks per month. Don't pay a ton for a Peloton. No reason for that. Go to echelonfit.com slash Ben. That's echelon, E-C-H-E-L-O-N, fit.com slash Ben, echelonfit.com slash Ben. Go check them out right now. I couldn't be more enthused about getting one of these for myself and for my wife. Echelonfit.com slash Ben. Go check them out right now. Okay, so that was gaff number one that made a lot of headlines yesterday. Gaff number two is Trump pronouncing Thailand, the country, Thailand. So he corrects himself pretty much immediately. doesn't matter. This is the the gaff that spawns a thousand memes, because it's funny. I mean, let's face it. 
calling Thailand Thailand is, is kind of hilarious. So here, here's the president yesterday, shortly after. So uh, first of all, I want where in the world is Donald Trump? And it's like, where in the world is Donald J. Trump? Is Carmen Sandy. I, I just want to hear him pronounce country names. I'm just I'm very into it right now. I, I will admit that between Yosemite and also Thailand, it's it's fun. Here, here's President Trump gaffing on Thailand yesterday. In 2017, Whirlpool won relief from the ITC once again. Once more, your foreign competitors moved their factories to prevent a level playing field and to avoid liability. Shifting production to Thailand and to Vietnam. Thailand and Vietnam, two places that I like their leaders very much. They're very nice to us. Do they take advantage of the United States? But not so much anymore. Like he corrects it right away. I, my three favorite countries, Thailand, China, Djibouti. And, and I will admit, Thailand sounds a lot more fun than Thailand. It does. And I, I, it sounds, frankly, kind of like a strip club in Kansas City. Thailand, hey, a thousand beautiful women and one ugly one, right? And Donald Trump out front holding one of those weird signs and spinning it. Thailand, come right in. Thailand, it's amazing. Right down in the center of Thailand is where the stage is, Thailand. But it, <laughs> okay, so it makes for good comedy. But is that like a revealing gaffe? No, you just mispronounced Thailand. Like, who cares? Who cares? And that didn't stop people online. There was like a big argument last night on Twitter about the proper pronunciation of Thailand because everything is stupid. Everything's unbelievably stupid. So Dinesh D'Souza, who I like, I mean, I like Dinesh, but Dinesh did like a whole thread about how the proper way to pronounce Thailand is Thailand if you're Australian or British. So I actually looked up Boris Johnson saying Thailand and he says Thailand. He doesn't say Thailand just for the record. But with all of that said, is that like a revealing gaffe? Of course, that's not a revealing gaffe. Unless you're revealing a thigh in Thailand. But is that like a super revealing gaffe? Of course, that's not a revealing gaffe. It's just silly. Okay, like it's funny and it's silly and it makes for good late night political comedy. And that's pretty much it. Stormy Daniels performing in Thailand. Unbelievable. Karen McDougall. But again, the media covered this thing like wall to wall yesterday. It was like a wall to wall coverage in the media yesterday. So again, we're getting all of these quote unquote gaffes from Trump and they're basically innocuous or mild exaggerations or like none of these are world shaking in their in their import. And we saw the same thing over the past 48 hours, 72 hours after Trump did that interview with Jonathan Swan. And there were some real mistakes in that interview. I talked about them on Monday show. But one of those things that he said is he was talking about the levels of death in the United States. And he said, it is what it is, meaning I can't control how many people die from a disease, which is true. And reporters have been all over him for that. How could he say it is what it is? What's he supposed to say? It is what it isn't? I mean, when a, when a disease is running rampant through a community and you're doing the best you can, like, he should have expressed more sympathy. So it's a political gaffe in that way, I suppose. It reveals that he, he has a lack of empathy, if, if that's a thing that, that you think is super important. But, and, and I guess it's important. But, but you know, when, when he says it is what it is, and that's treated like a major story, it's still being treated like a major story like five days later. Here was a reporter yesterday going after Trump over that yesterday. You look at the statement I made right after that, you because said, if you look it is at what it is, but that doesn't mean we aren't doing everything we can. Yeah, you and I said something after that, too. What message so so the message that I have is very simple. Nobody can do what I've done in terms of all of the things that we're doing to uh, combat this horrible disease that never should have been sent to us. Okay, so he, he's not wrong about any of this, but the media covered this stuff wall to wall. The reason that I'm focusing in on this is because this is what Trump is up against. He'll make a fairly innocuous gaffe and the media will blow it all out of proportion. Meanwhile, Joe Biden will make gaffes that go directly to the heart of his campaign and the media will simply overlook them. I mean, just completely overlook them. We'll get to Joe Biden's gaffes in just one second because to gaff a minute around here. Again, these debates are going to be, as I've said before, the Swedish chef versus Chewbacca. It's just going to be Trump going, <laughs> and Joe Biden going, and setting himself on fire. I mean, that, that's, it'll be fun, I guess, if that's your thing. It's kind of my thing. It's going to be fun. We'll get to that in just one second. First, let us talk about the fact that hiring can be complicated, particularly these days. And that is why Codable co-founder Gretchen Hebner had to experience how challenging hiring can be and used ZipRecruiter. She switched to ZipRecruiter. She saw an immediate difference in trying to find a new game artist to grow with her education tech company. You can too by signing up for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash Daily Wire. ZipRecruiter does not depend on candidates finding you. It finds them for you. By using ZipRecruiter's screening questions to filter candidates, Gretchen found it easier to focus on the best ones and then find the right one. 
In fact, after posting her job on ZipRecruiter, Gretchen said she was honestly surprised she found qualified applicants so quickly and hired a new game artist in less than two weeks. With results like that, it is no wonder that four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the very first day. So, for example, you know, we have a producer here, Katie, and Katie has decided that she actually wants to help children instead of being here and helping me put together clips in the morning. I don't know what's going through her head, but we need to replace Katie. We do. And that means that we have been using ZipRecruiter right now to try ZipRecruiter for free. You can go to ZipRecruiter.com slash DailyWire. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash D-A-I-L-Y-W-I-R-E. ZipRecruiter.com slash DailyWire helps prospective employees and prospective employers connect quickly and easily. ZipRecruiter is indeed the smartest way to hire. Go check them out right now. ZipRecruiter.com slash DailyWire to try them out for free. Okay, so meanwhile, Joe Biden, again, making gaffes that actually go to the heart of his campaign. So yesterday, Joe Biden suggested that black people are not diverse like Latino people. And again, he has said this like repeatedly. Okay, they're treating this as though this was a weird outlier, that it was just a brain fart from, from Biden. And let's be real, that man has a very flatulent brain. There, there, there's a lot of farts coming out of that brain, a lot of brain farts. And it could, enough methane to, to choke a horse. In any case, this was not a brain fart. This is something that Biden has been saying repeatedly for years, which is that black people all think the same, according to Joe Biden. And he said it again just a few weeks ago when he suggested that you ain't black if you don't vote for Joe Biden. And then he said it a couple of days ago to the National Association of Black Journalists when he suggested that black people aren't diverse like Latino people, which is a very weird take. I mean, and kind of a racist take that your skin color defines how you vote. By the way, he doubled down on this yesterday. Like there's a second clip of him saying exactly the same thing later in the day. It never went around because the media wanted to pretend that this is a brain fart rather than a key component of his entire campaign. He later that day, he, he said it again. He said black community does not think in diverse fashion as opposed to Latino community coming from all different places, a lot of diversity within the Latino community, which is wild. Uh, I will acknowledge that members of the media actually kind of agree with Joe Biden. They do. This is why they speak of the black community as a monolith. It's also why the, the media have overtly stated that black should be capitalized in media coverage while white should not be because black people are not diverse. They share a common history, which is a weird thing because Africa is incredibly diverse. Black Americans don't have a ton in common. I mean, they're, most black Americans are centuries removed from Africa. Right? I mean, they're African-Americans. Their ancestors of ancestors came from Africa, not voluntarily, obviously, to the United States. The black community is incredibly diverse. But the line of the media is that all black people are basically the same. And Joe Biden mirrors that. Here he was a couple of days ago saying that. What you all know, but most people don't know, unlike the African-American community, with notable exceptions, the Latino community is an incredibly diverse community with incredibly different attitudes about different things. Unlike the black community where everybody thinks the same. Thanks, old Joe. Okay, so he then doubled down on that later in the day and nobody paid attention to it. And then he came out. And so the entire media went into full spin mode. The Washington Post had a fact check in which they suggested that Joe Biden had not said what he said. Not kidding. They did a full fact check because Trump said, he's saying all black people think alike. And the Washington Post was like, he didn't say that. He just meant like in terms of point of origin, which of course is not what he said at all. And then Joe Biden stepped on them. He put out a statement via Twitter saying, early today, I made some comments about diversity in the African-American and Latino communities that I want to clarify. In no way did I mean to suggest the African-American community is a monolith, not by identity, not on issues, not at all. Throughout my career, I've witnessed the diversity of thought, background, and sentiment within the African-American community. It's this diversity that makes our workplaces, communities, and country a better place. My commitment to you is this. I will always listen. I will never stop fighting for the African-American community. I will never stop fighting for a more equitable future. And then he put out an ad with John Lewis, which is like his get-out-of-jail-free card, is that he was friendly with John Lewis. So, okay, he, that's absolutely what he said. Right? And he has said it repeatedly, that he thinks that all black people think the same. And that's, that, that is not... The gaffe is revealing because, again, the gaffe strips away the veneer of Joe Biden thinks of black people as individuals. He doesn't really. Okay, so how did the media cover this? So we've talked about how the media covered Thailand, how the media covered hurt God. How did the the media cover Joe Biden saying all black people think the same? Listen to the headlines. It wasn't that they covered the the original Biden comments accurately and then provided cover when Biden backtracked. They didn't even cover the original headline accurately. They didn't. Like, here was Politico's headline about that comment, right? The one where he says that all black people think the same. Politico's headline was this, quote, Joe Biden contrasted the black and Latino communities in remarks on Wednesday, stating that the latter is incredibly diverse. Oh, is that the story? Is that the story? That he, like, that, that headline is designed to not convey information. You can tell when the media are covering for somebody, when the media decide to cover the story in such a way that you have less information from the headline than you would listening to the original quote. That is a, that is a headline deliberately designed to obscure information. 
Joe Biden contrasted the black and Latino communities in remarks on Wednesday. So that sounds like, I mean, that's completely innocuous, right? I mean, just he contrasted them. And then they didn't focus in on what the, what he said about the black community, which is that they are not diverse. They focus in on him saying the Latino community is diverse. So if you read that headline, you would come away with, oh, that sounds uncontroversial. I mean, that's an incredible headline, an incredible headline. And the media response to this is patently crazy. I mean, Joe Scarborough when, uh, said on MSNBC, here's how Scarborough covered it, quote, Biden made that argument inartfully. He didn't need to include the African-American community in the discussion, but he does seem to recognize the Latino community is not one giant monolithic community. So by putting the focus on what he said about Latinos, you completely ignore what he said about African-Americans. That, that's, that's the goal of the media coverage here. Okay, on CNN, in, on CNN, the Chiron, as they were discussing this issue, is not Biden insults black community as monolithic. The Chiron was a direct quote. This is a direct quote from CNN Chiron. Trump claims Biden insulted black community. Oh, Trump claimed it. You see, the real story is Republicans pouncing. As always, when a Democrat does something bad, as my friend Andrew Clavin points out, the story is Republicans pouncing. When Republicans do something bad, the story is Republicans did something bad. In fact, even when Republicans don't do something bad, the story is Republicans did something bad. It's amazing. Here was the Associated Press's headline on this. You ready? Democratic presidential candidate Joe Biden faces new scrutiny over how he discusses race and ethnicity after drawing distinctions between black and Hispanic populations in the United States. Oh, is that what happened? He just drew some distinctions, guys. And the story is that he drew scrutiny, you see. The story is Republicans pouncing. It's the scrutiny that's the story, not the fact that he said that black people are not diverse, but Latino people are diverse. No, the story is everybody pouncing. That's the big story. I mean, the media are so far in the tank for Biden. It is, I know that it's an old news thing at this point, but it is a constant source of astonishment that they are so willing to bend over backwards in order to, in order to push this agenda. It's, it's really incredible. It truly is amazing. And meanwhile, Joe Biden continues to gaff on policy. Again, his gaffes on policy are pretty telling because they explain where he's going to be. So yesterday, Joe Biden was asked about his policy on China, how he was going to stop China from engaging in intellectual property theft and threatening its neighbors. He was asked this by Errol Barnett. His answer was, I'm going to go to the UN, which in any normal world would be a headline because China has a veto at the UN. Okay, China is never going to allow anything to happen at the UN. Saying you're going to go to the UN to stop China is like saying that you're going to go to Al Capone to stop bootlegging. That's not the way this works. Here, here is Joe Biden saying a stupid thing, as always. You may recall I was the first one to say we should act and go to the United Nations with the Uyghurs. I believe the first one, period. We should be in the United Nations condemning China's action. Their concentration camps. Their concentration camps. You mean you're going to go to the UN and you're going to get a resolution? Where? From the Security Council? Where China sits? I'm sure that's going to that's going to go. Wow. A resolution from the U.N. Huge, huge, like enormous, enormous Joe Biden. And he's the one he says he's tough on China. Yeah, I think not. How is that not a headline that he thinks that he's going to go to the U.N. and condemn them at the U.N.? Like Joe Biden's campaign at a certain point, he's actually going to be forced to answer questions about his own policies. So far, he has not been forced to do so because the media despise Trump so much that every Trumpian error is treated as the end of the world. And every Biden error is treated as nothing, literally nothing, just turned into a non-story. And that's, it's no wonder if the American people never see the actual story, if they never see the actual clips, it's no wonder that they think that Joe Biden is a lot more stable than he is. He is not a stable candidate. He's not stable in terms of policy. He's not stable in terms of his, his mental state. The more you see it, if this were an open campaign, this race would be a lot closer because Joe Biden on the campaign trail would be gaffing like that every 35 seconds, every 35 seconds, not just the sort of mental acuity issues that he's been having, but simple statements that would be eating him alive. I mean, this is a, and he was always like this, guys. I mean, he went, go back to like his campaign in 2008. He was going around a decade ago, a decade and a half ago, saying that Indian people run 7-Elevens as though the only Indian person he'd ever met was a poo from The Simpsons. This is, this is who Joe Biden is. The fact that he's considered a frontline, solid presidential candidate demonstrates how stupid everything is at this point. Okay, in a second, we're going to get to how Democrats are twisting COVID policy because again, the Trump campaign is, is basically behind the eight ball on COVID and Democrats are going to keep pushing that. Uh, they're rooting for lockdown. They're rooting for lockdown and economic ruin. I don't know how else to express this. I'm going to show you the proof of that in just one second. First, let us talk about the fact that there are some cases that are happening right now in the United States where if you defend your own property with a gun, there's a likelihood that you will be dragged into court. We actually saw this in Missouri when two property owners went out there in the middle of what was going to be a riot. People broke into a private gated community. They went out there and they held up guns to basically say, you're not coming into our property. And the local prosecutor in St. Louis tried to prosecute them for that. 
Well, the USCCA can help protect you from stuff like this. The legal system is not fair. Responsibly armed Americans often do become political targets. It is not right that responsible Americans can wind up in jail or tied up in a lawsuit for defending themselves or their family. But in this day and age, you need a gun to protect your family and yourself. Here's how you can take a simple, powerful journey to firearms and self-defense confidence. It's called the Complete Concealed Carry and Family Defense Guide from the U.S. Concealed Carry Association. It is 100% free. You'll learn how to detect attackers before they see you, how to survive a mass shooting, the safest, most dangerous places to sit in a restaurant, how to responsibly own and store a gun, even if you have little kids, especially if you have little kids, a whole lot more. It's 164 pages. It comes with a bonus audio version, so you can listen whenever you want. Yeah, if you, It's important right now, I mean, more than any time I can remember, to own a firearm so you can defend yourself, your family, your rights. But you got to know how to use it responsibly and store it responsibly. USCCA helps you with all of this stuff. Just text Ben to 87222 to get started. You get instant access and a chance to win a thousand bucks so you can buy a gun to protect your family. Text Ben to 87222 right now and join the USCCA. Text Ben to 87222 right this very instant. Okay, so one of the Democratic policy pushes here is additional chaos when it comes to COVID. So one of the things that is, is really in the offing here is a, a significant economic recovery. The United States economy added 1.8 million jobs in July. Unemployment fell to 10%. This is despite the fact that we are now widely locked down, continuing across the United States. Now, the economy is still locked down in California. It is still locked down in New York. Many of the major economic hubs of the United States continue to be locked down. The economy is basically attempting to... to Break free right here. I mean, that, that is what is going on. And the only thing that is preventing the economy from breaking fear, two things. One, fear of COVID, some of which is legit and some of which is wildly exaggerated. It is my opinion that if you are young and healthy and you're wearing a mask around other people when you're in crowded areas and you are socially distancing for the most part, you can go back to work and you should be going back to work. And we should all be going back to the stores. We should all be going back to the restaurants. You can have half, half occupancy or whatever you need to do. Keep the windows open. But we should all be moving back toward normal. And this notion that lockdowns are the solution is not correct. Meanwhile, Democrats continue to push continuing lockdown. Now, continuing lockdown, all the lockdown does is it delays the inevitable. If you look at Hawaii right now, Hawaii has never opened up. Hawaii has been locked down the entire time. They're seeing exponential growth in case numbers in Hawaii. They're seeing increases in France. They're seeing increases in Japan. They're seeing increases in Australia. All the places that lock down, all the places that have worn masks, Many of them are starting to see outbreaks. The bottom line is you can only delay the virus. You cannot prevent the virus from moving through a population, which means that you need to protect the elderly. You need to protect the infirm. You need to protect those with serious pre-existing conditions. And everybody else needs to get back to work with as many precautions as we can take and still live normal lives. None of this should be particularly controversial. And the economy is waiting to break loose. If the economy starts to break loose again, the problem for Democrats is there's a better shot that Trump is going to win. And it's hard not to see this in extraordinarily political light. Joe Biden keeps saying that he wants more lockdowns. So yesterday, Joe Biden came out. He said that if he were president, he would bring back the COVID lockdowns, which is patently crazy. It's crazy. Where is he going to bring them back? New York? They never stopped being locked down in New York. And New York's caseload is basically zero at this point. New Jersey has a close to zero caseload. In places where they did lockdown and never stopped the lockdown in Massachusetts, they're seeing an uptick anyway. Lockdowns are not a solution. All lockdowns are our delay tactics. Here is Joe Biden, though, saying that his easy solution would be to continue to lock down the American economy forever. Again, the political incentive structure here is completely screwy. The political incentive structure is for politicians to deliberately destroy individual lives and then bail people out through bucks that we do not have in order to say that they are protecting you, which is totally, it's crazy. I mean, they're destroying thousands upon thousands of individual businesses every single month. Here is Joe Biden, though, pro promoting lockdown again. So based on what Mr. you see now, would you roll back the reopenings? I'm not going to speculate on that because I don't know based on what, what you it's see going now. to be. What I see now, I think we today. are, if I were president, oh, I'm sorry, if I were president today, I would roll back the reopenings in a number of places because look, masks are, it's clear, masks and social distancing make a gigantic difference in terms of the spread of this disease. He, he would roll back openings in which places would he roll them back? Florida, Texas, Arizona, they're already seeing the downshift. Where are the reopenings that he's talking about? Like, none of this makes any sense, but the political incentive structure is aligned. So you push the lockdowns, you claim you're trying to save lives. And oh, by the way, if it ruins the economy and then we need massive government bailouts, great. The second prong of this attack is being promoted by Nancy Pelosi. So right now, Republicans have basically agreed with Democrats that we are going to spend an awful lot of money because we are forcing people into bankruptcy. We are forcing people into lockdown. And if you can't work, then you can't make money. And so Republicans, for the first time in my lifetime, basically in widespread fashion, 
agree that some sort of government intervention is necessary in the economy in order to ensure that people don't go completely without. So that means that the Republicans were willing to basically extend in clean fashion unemployment insurance for a couple more months at $600 per week. Originally, they proposed a couple hundred bucks a week because they don't want to pay people to stay home. It turns out that if we pay everybody through January $600 a week, four out of five American workers would actually be making more, I believe the statistic was, four out of five American workers currently unemployed would be making more on unemployment than they would be if they went back to work. If you continue this through January, Democrats are pushing for that. Democrats are also pushing for spending on every area of American life. They want $3.4 trillion more dollars spent this month. By the way, they have not even fully spent all the money that was sent to the states in the last tranche of spending. And Republicans are going along with all this. Republicans have caved on a lot of the state and local funding, which they should not. The federal government is not responsible for bailing out crappy government contracts created by California and New York. The Republicans have basically caved on the, on the unemployment money when the states have not even fully dispersed their unemployment money yet. I know people in California who have filed for unemployment in California still not received their checks from the last tranche. But Republicans are caving left and right because Steve Mnuchin, the Treasury Secretary, is not a Republican. So he's, he's out there being like, okay, fine, Nancy, what do you want? You want this? Sure, we'll give it to you. You want that? Sure, we'll give it to you. And Nancy Pelosi, because her political interest is in not getting a deal done so she can blame Trump, is still holding up the works. This is the second or third time she's done this. Remember, on the first round of relief, Nancy Pelosi stopped a deal that had already been cut between the Senate Majority Leader and the Senate Minority Leader, Mitch McConnell and Chuck Schumer, so that she could dilly-dally for a week, for a week. And she said that she was trying to make the deal better. She didn't make the deal better. It ended up exactly where it started. Now Nancy Pelosi is doing the same thing. She's negotiating against no one because no one's actually pushing back against her. The only concession Democrats have offered thus far is that they want to spend slightly less on the post office. That's it. That's the only concession. Republicans have conceded on nearly every other point and Nancy Pelosi's still trying to gum up the works. So Nancy Pelosi was asked about this by Judy Woodruff. Okay, now, let, let's be clear about this. Judy Woodruff, who works for what? Uh, PBS News? So Judy Woodruff is no right winger. When I say she's no right winger, I mean Judy Woodruff is a leftist. Okay, she, she's been a liberal journalist for a very long time. And Judy Woodruff asked like a very basic question to Pelosi. And Pelosi doesn't want to be asked that question because it demonstrates that she is a full-scale political actor who would prefer to watch Americans go without rather than letting Trump take credit or preventing people from going under. I mean, this is very nasty politics. It's so much that Nancy Pelosi goes after Judy Woodruff and suggests that Judy Woodruff is basically a Republican, which is patently crazy. Here's, here's Judy Woodruff asking a basic question, and Nancy Pelosi, then sure is all fallen out, trying to explain that Judy Woodruff is a bad person for even asking. And they're also saying a lot of the money that was passed in the spring, Madam Speaker, has not even been spent yet. Well, so if you want to be an advocate for them, there. Judy, if you want to be an advocate for them, no, I'm, let's I'm, know what the facts are. I'm playing are. devil's advocate no, here no, I to ask you for your position. Okay, again, and she, she doesn't want to give the position. She simply does not want to give the position because the position is obvious. She doesn't want the relief package to move forward because if a relief package, if a relief package moves forward, then she doesn't get to claim that Republicans are obstructing. She's the one who's obstructing. Again, this is like the third time she's done this. I think she did it again with the second package. So it's pretty obvious the Democratic game. Push lockdown and then try to block Republicans from filling in the gaps created by lockdown. And then finally, there's an overarching change that Democrats are pushing here. Every crisis is an opportunity. Michelle Obama yesterday said the quiet part out loud. We'll get to Michelle Obama, who's becoming more and more political. Have you noticed? Have you noticed that Michelle Obama, she started off her career being extremely political. Barack's going to heal your souls. I've never been proud of this country until the moment they nominated my husband. And she was very radical back in her early days. I mean, if you, her, her college thesis was extraordinarily radical about the, the inherent racism of the United States. I believe it was about when she was at Princeton. And then she went into... Michelle Obama, she kind of did the, the Hillary Clinton makeover, right? Hillary Clinton, back when she was first lady, she started off, I'm not Tammy Wynette, stay at home, stay by your man. And then she went into kind of the softer version of Hillary Clinton, where she stood by her man. And then she went back into harsh politician. You get the same thing with Michelle Obama. We'll get to that in just one second. The, the, the re-politicization the re of Michelle Obama. We'll get to that momentarily first. Let's talk about how important it is to protect your online data. PCmatic, it's a next generation antivirus designed to stop modern threats like ransomware. An independent testing firm, AV Test, just named PCmatic as a top performer in the cybersecurity industry, giving it the best performance award for 2019. Only PCmatic has American research, development, and support. PCmatic competition is foreign-made, often in countries where malware originates. PCmatic blocks annoying and malicious ads for hassle-free web browsing, makes your computers faster and more reliable, even after years of use. PCmatic protects Windows computers, including XP, 
Vista, Windows 7, 8, and 10, Windows servers, Macs, MacBooks, Android phones, and tablets. Listen, you got to protect your information. People out there are trying to steal it. They're trying to use it. They're trying to data mine you. PCmatic is just 50 bucks for five devices for one year with a full 30-day money-back guarantee. If you act now, PCmatic has offered my listeners a free month of security protection with the purchase of the annual license. To access the offer, go to PCmatic.com slash Ben. Again, to get world-class security that keeps your computer running great, go to PCmatic.com slash Ben. Again, that is PCmatic.com slash Ben. Go check them out right now. Special deal, 50 bucks for five devices, one year, full 30-day money-back guarantee. PCmatic.com slash Ben to protect your online data. Okay, it is that glorious time of the week when I give a shout out to a Daily Wire member. It is that time. Okay, today it is Mateo on Instagram who understands the power of narrative. In this picture, the world's greatest beverage vessel rests on a table next to a copy of my brand new best-selling book, How to Destroy America in Three Easy Steps. The caption reads, after I completed reading the book, which fully debunks the ideology of the left with nothing but facts, which specifically do not care about your feelings, I found it necessary and correct to enjoy a cup of Black Rifle coffee. As I gazed into my cupboard, one vessel shone above the others. It was the most elite beverage vessel of them all, a tumbler unlike any other. It was the leftist tears tumbler. The choice was clear. I knew what must be done. As I poured the rich, dark, caffeinated nectar, I looked to my window to behold an awesome sight. A bearded man mounted upon a bald eagle had flown across my neighborhood. In one hand, he held a Bible. In the other was old glory. Could it be old Abe himself? I thought as I continued to pour my luscious beverage. I can only assume it was the sheer level of patriotism accomplished this day that drew him to pass by. As the first sip of coffee hit my lips, I saw red, white, and blue fireworks on the horizon. I heard in the distance the melody of the Star Spangled Banner and breathed in the aroma of pure freedom. Thank you, official Ben Shapiro. Wow. Wow. That's beautiful. I I think I'm going to cry. Well done, my friend. That is just, that's amazing. Also, prose stylings, the like of which we have not seen since Hemingway. (laughs) Ernest Hemingway. Thanks for the pick. I hope that you are enjoying the book, which, by the way, is number three on the Wall Street Journal bestseller list again this week. So thanks for that. If you haven't picked up a copy of the book, go do it right now. How to Destroy America in Three Easy Steps. You're listening to the largest, fastest growing conservative podcast and radio show in the nation. All righty. So Michelle Obama, who has become more and more political, like a couple of weeks ago, she did a graduation speech in which she claimed that you cannot get ahead. Like you literally, it's impossible. People in the United States simply cannot get ahead. Her direct quote, I believe, was, quote, the truth is when it comes to all those tidy stories of hard work and self-determination, we like to tell ourselves about America. Well, the reality is a lot more complicated than that, said Michelle Obama this a couple of weeks ago. For too many people in this country, no matter how hard they work, there are structural barriers working against them that just make the road longer and rockier. Sometimes it's impossible to move upward at all. And that is a very political statement from a woman who, again, grew up kind of, middle class. Her dad was a city worker. Her mom was a homemaker. And then she ended up at Princeton and Harvard Law School, ended up working at a law firm, making a bunch of money, married the president, the future president of the United States, is now probably the best-selling nonfiction author of the last 20 years. Seems like there's been some upward mobility in her life. Seems like there's an upward mobility in a lot of our lives. But Michelle Obama is a very political figure. If, If you believe she will not run for president at some point in the future, I think you have another thing coming. In any case, Michelle Obama completes the trifecta of, of coronavirus policy here. So remember, when it comes to the Democrats, they have to rely on COVID to bring Trump down. I mean, I think that that is what's going on here. I used to think there was some good faith. I, I no longer think that because good faith would assume some basic premises about coronavirus. One, there's no great way to handle it. Two, everybody is doing their best to prevent loss of life and prevent loss of the economy. And three, to blame any single person for a disease that no country has control over is insane. But Democrats have decided to ignore all of these things. And now they're openly militating for policy that has not been successful. They're suggesting that places that are utterly unsuccessful are successful, like New Jersey and New York. And they're pretending that they have all the solutions. So they've come up with this sort of three-pronged attack. One is Joe Biden's renew the lockdowns. Two is Nancy Pelosi's. I'm going to block any of the funding necessary to stop the worst of the fallout so I can blame Republicans. And three, Sada Voce. We are hoping that this completely reshifts the nature of American government. That's what Michelle Obama said yesterday. She said, COVID is a great opportunity to change how wealth is distributed, which is insane. Insane. If COVID has done anything, it has shifted more wealth toward the wealthier. Okay, let's be real about this. If you are a high net income person in the United States, chances are you're probably still working right now. If you're a white collar worker, a lot better shot that you are working than if you're a blue collar worker. Low income people have been thrown out of work. That is what has happened. People who have money in the stock market are doing basically okay because you know what all the rich people did? They didn't sell their stocks when the stock market crashed. They just bought everybody else's stock when those people had to liquidate their stock in order to pay their bills. Coronavirus has exacerbated income inequality in this country. 
And that is government driven. A lot of that is government driven. But Michelle Obama says COVID's a great opportunity because every crisis is an opportunity for Democrats. Michelle Obama said COVID's a great opportunity to change how wealth is distributed in the United States. That's the real agenda here. That's a part of that reflection that we need to do, you know, with ourselves and, and, and as a community. And we have to think about that in terms of how uh, wealth is distributed, you know, how how these essential people are supported. And what does that mean? A lot of these people are broke. OK, uh, the, the amazing attempt here to to shift the entire American conversation around an unprecedented pandemic that no one has full control over and to turn that into, we have to have a conversation about completely reshifting the nature of American government. That's opportunism at its finest. And so that's the Democratic platform. Shut it all down. Try to block Republicans from doing anything to stop that. And then say that we need to reshift the entire American economy. It is fairly incredible how so many people fall for this. It really is. Every time government fails, the solution is always more government. It's an unfalsifiable theory. The government has forcibly shut down millions of businesses all around the United States. The, the government has put tens of millions of people out of work. And then the government has incompetently attempted to backfill some of that. And the solution from the Democrats is more government. If you fall for that one, you kind of deserve what you get. I mean, frankly, if you fall for the idea that government is going to fix all the problems the government helped create in the first place, and you don't think that individual initiative and self-assessment and a realistic appraisal of your own situation is the best answer, then you deserve to be controlled from above. I don't know what else to tell you. Okay, meanwhile, over in New York, you know, if you've ever, it's amazing how many people in the media have declared that Republicans are fascists, right? Trump is a fascist. Trump is a, he's a bad, bad orange man. He's orange Hitler and all the rest of this stuff. What is the evidence for Trump being a fascist? He tweets things, right? He tweets stupid things like he wants to delay the election, which is indeed a silly and, and fascistic thing to say. He does not, he does not have the power to delay the election, to pretend otherwise is ridiculous and undermines faith in our democratic institutions. Meanwhile, Democrats are overtly violating certain requirements that we normally have of, of people in public life. So over in New York, Letitia James is the New York Attorney General. She's now attempting to dissolve the NRA. Now, here's the thing. She said for a while she just wants to go after the NRA. She called the NRA a terrorist group a couple of years ago when she first took office as AG. She vowed openly to target Trump. She also, by the way, vowed to target the NRA. So this is pure political targeting. A couple of things can be true. One, there can be serious, real corruption problems over at the NRA. And two, when the New York AG decides to dissolve the NRA, that has nothing to do with the corruption problems and everything to do with this particular AG using the power of her office to target political opponents. Here was Letitia James announcing a lawsuit to dissolve the NRA yesterday. Just a few minutes ago, my office filed a lawsuit against the National Rifle Association to dissolve the organization in its entirety for years of self-dealing and illegal conduct that violate New York's charities law and undermine its own mission. And now the real reason she's doing this is because there's a widespread perception in democratic circles that the NRA spends tons and tons of money during election cycles. They don't. They spend like 18, 20 million dollars during a normal presidential election cycle as compared to like Michael Bloomberg, who will drop 100 million dollars in an election cycle himself alone. OK, but let's be real about this. Letitia James said when she took office that she was going to specifically target Trump, which is a violation of a prosecutorial duty. Normally, you hunt for a crime. You don't hunt for somebody you don't like and then try and pin a crime on them. Here's a flashback of Letitia James vowing to target Trump when she took office. Never be afraid to challenge this illegitimate president. What is fueling my soul right now is Trump and his abuses, abuses against immigrants, against women, against our environment. We must do our job to ensure that the man currently occupying the Oval Office is held accountable to any and everything he has done. I mean, that's it. If you want to talk about fascism, fascism is electing a DA specifically arguing they're going to go after a person they have not identified a crime about. I mean, that's pretty incredible. To, to tar so she said that about Trump. She also said similar things about the NRA. And now she's going after the NRA and the media are just cheering. The media are like, oh, look, hero, hero time for Letitia James. If that doesn't scare you, I, I really do not know what would. And if Democrats love this sort of stuff, wait until Republican AGs start doing the same thing, going after Planned Parenthood and attempting to dissolve Planned Parenthood on a state-by-state -state basis, saying that there are corruption issues inside Planned Parenthood. The death penalty remedy, as the Wall Street Journal put it, right, it's a death penalty remedy to dissolve the entire organization. She's not going after Wayne LaPierre. She's not going after the other members of the board. She's trying to dissolve the organization utterly. That's a pretty 
it's a, it's a pretty clear indicator that she is giving the game away. President Trump, for his part, says, I don't even know why the NRA is organized in New York. They should move to Texas. That's a very terrible thing that just happened. I think the NRA should move to Texas and lead a very good and beautiful life. And I've told them that for a long time. I think they should move to Texas. Texas would be a great place or to another state of their choosing. But I would say that Texas would be a great place and an appropriate place for the NRA. Hey, he ain't wrong about this. That is for sure. Okay, meanwhile, I have to discuss this bizarre controversy that broke out online. It wasn't covered as much as it should be because it truly is indicative of where we stand in American public life. We now live in a time when power politics is significantly more important than truth. And you can see this from both sides of the aisle, but I will say that the deconstructionist wing of the Democratic Party, the radical wing of the Democratic Party, the sort of the, the sort of social justice warrior, critical race studies wing of the Democratic Party has really decided to prioritize power structures and power dynamics over truth. This is why you see people suggesting that any inequality is inequity. It's why you see people completely ignoring statistics in order to push a narrative. Because in the end, all that matters is power. The story that, that brought this to a head was this bizarre, bizarre debate that happened last weekend on Twitter over whether, I kid you not, two plus two equals four. Now, I know what you're saying to yourself. Doesn't two plus two equal four? Why is that controversial? The answer is because if you live in the world of critical race theory, if you live in the world of Derrida and Michel Foucault and their philosophy of deconstructionism, then all truth is subjective. There is no such thing as an objective truth. So two plus two could theoretically equal five. There's a professor named James Lindsay, and all of this controversy started when he had a text exchange with another person about postmodernism and what they think about objective claims about the world. His friend asked him at one point what postmodernists would say about the contention that two plus two equals four. And, and this professor, James Lindsay, who's a professor, a professor of mathematics, he says, I told her that they would say that two plus two does not equal five. They would say two plus two equals doesn't matter so long as what it equals is not constrained by hegemonic discourses, meaning that two plus two could equal five. It could not equal five. It all depends on what the Westerners say. If the Westerners say two plus two equals four, that is now an intellectual construct that must be torn down at the root. So, says James Lindsay, the postmodern understanding of two plus two can equal whatever people want it to equal. And we should be very skeptical of the idea that it equals four because so much political dominance is already built into that answer and how it is obtained. That answer is basic postmodernism and it has infused so much of wild left-wing thought. Well, what happened here is that Nicole Hannah-Jones, who's the de facto editor of the New York Times, she decided to make fun of the idea that two plus two equals four saying using Arabic numerals to try to make a point about white Western superiority is just so damn classic, which is kind of crazy. Right? Okay, so the, the, the content, what was happening is that somebody said two plus two equals four. And somebody else tweeted back, well, according to deconstructionists, two plus two could equal five because math is just a Western construct. And then Nicole Hannah-Jones, because she's a crazy person, tweeted back using Arabic numerals to try to make a point about white Western superiority is just so damn classic. No, there's nothing white, Western, or superior about the contention that two plus two equals four. But if you see the world purely in terms of power structures, then everything that is ever said is merely a manifestation of power. It's merely a manifestation of power. And so when people came forth to defend the proposition that two plus two does objectively equal four, a bunch of randos in the academic community began tweeting out the idea that two plus two does not, in fact, equal four. A PhD student named Brittany Marshall insisted, quote, the idea of two plus two equaling four is cultural. And because of Western imperialism and colonization, we think of it as the only way of knowing. Now, we've seen stuff like this actually being taught at like the Smithsonian Institute, that the basic idea of science or math is a Western construct. That is the most racist garbage ever. But if the idea is that all knowledge is merely a manifestation of the peculiar minds of the power structure, then it means that truth is of no consequence whatsoever. Anything can be not true so long as it is said by a white person or as a manifestation of the white power structure. And so in politics, truth doesn't matter. You know, the objective truth of a statement doesn't exist. It is just a bunch of white people saying something. This is why you see so many people in the critical justice, the critical race studies program, the critical race theory, the Ibram Kendi's and the Robin DeAngelo's basically say that objective truth doesn't exist. Anything that I want to be is. And if you deny it, it's because you're a racist who assumes cultural superiority. This is dangerous stuff. It's this little controversy which completely blew up over the weekend. I mean, two plus two equals four is actually trending on Twitter. This is how far we have come as a civilization to deny basic truth in exchange for the principle that all truth is basically subjective. 
and is replaceable by power structures. And so we have to shift away from the notion that we can have, I mean, all conversation ends at this point. It is just a question of certain people clubbing other people to death, politically and intellectually speaking. All righty, so we'll be back here a little bit later today with two additional hours of content. Also, I am doing a late breaking all access today. So if you want to become an all access member, head on over to Daily Wire. I believe we have some deals over there for our all access members. Also, as you approach the weekend, please pick up a, a copy of my book, How to Destroy America in Three Easy Steps, continues to be a massive national bestseller, and we always appreciate you joining in. I think the book is really, really important, and I think that you'll get something out of it. I think you should buy one for your liberal friends too, because it really is not about left versus right so much as people who want to keep the country together versus people who would like to break the country apart. So go check out a copy of my book, How to Destroy America in Three Easy Steps. Otherwise, we'll see you here on Monday. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe too. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Andrew Clavin Show, The Michael Moles Show, and The Matt Walsh Show. Thanks for listening. The Ben Shapiro Show is produced by Colton Haas, executive producer Jeremy Boring, supervising producer Mathis Glover and Robert Sterling, assistant director Pavel Wydowski, technical producer Austin Stevens, playback and media operated by Nick Sheehan, associate producer Katie Swinnerton, edited by Adam Saievitz, audio is mixed by Mike Coromina, hair and makeup is by Nika Geneva. The Ben Shapiro Show is a Daily Wire production, copyright Daily Wire 2020. You know, the Matt Wall Show, it's not just another show about, about politics. I think there are enough of those already out there. We talk about culture because culture drives politics and it drives everything else. So my main focuses are life, family, faith. Those are fundamental. And that's what this show is about. I hope you'll give it a listen. Ben We'll get to more on this in just one second first. Pure Talk believes in American values and that free should mean, you know, like free. So when you switch to Pure Talk today, you'll get a free Samsung 5G smartphone. There's no four-line requirement, no activation fee, just a free Samsung that's built to last with a rugged screen, quick charging battery, and top-tier data security. Qualifying plans start at just 35 bucks a month for unlimited talk, text, 15 gigs of data, and a mobile hotspot. Pure Talk gives you phenomenal coverage on America's most dependable 5G network. It's the same coverage you know and love, but for half the price of the other guys. The average family saves almost $1,000 a year. So I challenge you to choose a company that actually doesn't hate your guts and shares your values. Let Pure Talk's expert U.S. customer service team help you make the switch today. Go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro to claim your eligibility for your free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone and start saving on wireless today. Again, go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro to switch to my cell phone company. I've been using them for years. They're fantastic. You'll love them as well. Go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro and claim your eligibility on that free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone. Start saving.